I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You know, when you're at the, the birthday party and, like, someone harmonizes happy birthday, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, but there's something, like, powerfully wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? I mean can you just not... Oh no! Oh no! It's like, and I can hear it the same way, like the happy. Bur- I'm like, shut, shut up! It's over. Welcome back to that's a gay ass podcast. It's me, Eric Williams, and happy birthday. <laughs> Jake does read me for filth when I admit that I am a happy birthday harmonizer. Not proud of it, but I'm speaking my truth on this here podcast. Um, I want to say I'm so happy that Jake is our guest this week. He's really one of the funniest comedians I know that has incredible videos online. Uh, But before we go into the interview, I want to tell you a recent obsession that's been getting me through these days is The Circle on Netflix. Um, Listen... If you don't watch it, I highly recommend you get into it. It is this reality show that is so... uh, It's just so topical. It's people literally isolated in their own little apartments. And the only thing they have to talk to is this social media thing called The Circle. And the whole game is a popularity contest. But the twist is that some people are playing themselves with their own social media profiles. And other people are catfish. They're, They're playing someone else to try to be more popular in the game it is so good the second season just dropped and uh, matt and i cannot get enough of it we love it so much we started watching the circle france yes there is a circle for multiple countries around the world and i will say i think that it's really ignorant when people say that they don't watch things in a different language because they don't want to read subtitles. It's like, no, there's so much amazing art out there that is in different languages. However, that being said, there's a lot of subtitles for this one. Um, (laughs) The France circle is so good, but they speak so fast and you cannot look at your phone while you're watching this version. You gotta, so if you're looking for like something that you need, you can tune out. The Circle of France is not that, but the characters are so funny. And of course, many hot people. And there's flirting and drama. And it is a show that I can't not get enough of. That being said, we talk some TV, we talk uh, a lot of stuff with my guest this week on that's a gayest podcast this is jake cornell he is a comedian that you maybe have seen at ucb in the before times but now he's like a true internet star he is huge on tiktok huge on instagram and his videos are truly some of the favorite things i've seen on the internet he literally posted one yesterday that is that is just next level funny uh so follow him at jake w cornell that's j-a-k-e-w-c-o-r-n-e-l-l and that is for Instagram and TikTok. He has like 120,000 followers on TikTok. It's truly insane. So we talk a bit about that. We talk a bit about what made him gay is incredibly iconic. And I'm excited for you to hear it. So enjoy this episode. Please leave us a five-star review. And make sure you tell your friends about That's a Gay podcast. And enjoy. 
I was trying to think before we talked what, when exactly I first saw you and how we connected because I think it it might have been a combination of a TikTok and an Instagram and maybe mutual friends. I don't really fully know, but I same. I can't remember it specifically. I think just the universe meant for us to be together and just like we're kind of along for that ride. Well, it's also it's on Instagram. You're always at any given time. You're two clicks away from every single gay man in New York City. <laughs> like it's just two clicks, the right two clicks in your that you can get to any single one of them. It's true. I feel like I've at, at this point seen every single gay person on New York City on the Internet at Correct. some point. Correct. And, and to the point where like I would see them on the street and be like, oh, my God, that's at and like only say the name of their handle because they don't know their actual name. It's, yeah. But that being said, I feel like I am just such a fan of you. It seems to me the videos that you make are so I can tell that you have a, a smooth digestive track and that you're like <laughs> taking things from the world. You are not forcing the ideas. And it's also, I think, like the combination of like not staged or like overthought, but also like really fucking smart. Like I think like Thank you. I, I want you to know that I just like think you're so good. That genuinely really means a lot. That is very flattering. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Do you see this bug in my face? I do don't, that? but okay. I trust that it's there. I'm so sorry, sorry. for your loss. Um, no, but thank you for saying that. That is very, very kind. Oh my God, of course. I mean, it's just anything in this world right now to like, I think it's, there's especially talking about gay men, like there's such a feeling, I think at times in any world of competition or cattiness. And I find that there are certain personalities and energies that I immediately gravitate towards and don't feel that there is that defense mechanism with, because like, I think there are, especially in comedy, some people and gays who it's like, if someone else has success, that means it's my, it's to my detriment when that's totally. actually not the case. And I feel like, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like you don't have that, that energy. I mean, I think it, I've always been incredibly intimidated by other queer comedians, especially when I was like younger and starting out and not in any sort of like, it wasn't like malicious. I wasn't like, I, I hate them and their success is my detriment, but I would, I was like, I could never perform comedy in front of other gay people. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I, that was how I used to, f I think when I, this is, I'm talking very young, like when yeah. I first started, um, I think because like the queer comedians I looked up to, I revered so much and I just thought they were so smart and so funny and so incisive. And I, yeah, so I couldn't, I was like, I could never do that. Like I don't, think of I think you always think of like your comedy is lesser than others at least I I do yes, <laughs> like yes. definitely even still um I like look at other people other especially the queer comedians and I'm like well their their stuff is smart incisive and genius and I'm a dumb person who says dumb shit to the camera do you know what I mean like it's always yeah it's very easy to look at yourself your your own comedy as lesser than but I think that that's like a very, it's almost a uniting thing where probably almost every single person, unless you're like delusionally confident or just beautifully confident, I will spin that to a positive. I think so many that's people feel, <laughs> so many people feel like personally like that the imposter syndrome kind of goes on a, on a scale every day. And it's a constant battle for me, yeah. even with a podcast, even with, you know, like I literally saw two days ago, I saw a friend, they're like, Oh my gosh, your podcast is blowing up. And I was like, I'm glad it looks that way. And it's, and I said, I caught myself saying that versus like, you know what? It actually, people are loving it and, and it's, and it's reaching yeah, more ears. Are. And like You're I should, you. thank you. And I, I, I think there's the immediate response is to be, it's to play it down or to, or to feel like an imposter is, um, is so well, fast. I will I will say, like, I don't know if you experience this, but it's very, I tried to explain this to my boyfriend, but like, it's very strange to have six, something be perceived as successful that is entirely contained to a cell phone. Like at the end of the day, like people will be like, how does, you know, this thing happen? How does it feel? And I'm, and I'll be like, it's good. It's also just numbers on a screen. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, like it's not, do you know what I mean? Like I'm still sitting in my bedroom, but it's cool. <laughs> and I love it. Like I am grateful for a lot of the things that have happened, but it is also like, it's numbers on a screen. Mm. So it feels it can be when people are like coming up to you and saying certain things that I think there can be like a disconnect you totally experience. I don't know if you felt that, but totally. I, well, I think it also people, have. I think people assume that life is drastically different if a certain oh God, number totally. has shifted when you're like, no, I'm still eating the same ramen. I'm still sitting on my bed. I'm still <laughs> like, 
Yes. I, I think ultimately when I do have my gorgeous house in the Hollywood Hills, then I could be like, it feels really good. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, hopefully, the t- I'm going to take that back because that's devastating. My dream is to feel present and just thankful for like the moment I have, but I won't feel like my life is actually um, feeling like a very different thing until I'm like not feeling like a struggling artist, if that totally. makes sense. Yeah, I think there is a balance you kind of have to strike between being appreciative of what's happening and like celebrating things and acknowledging when things are good, but also wanting to not settle and wanting to push forward and go after certain goals. But like, you know, yeah, I feel thankful. Like I have a handful of friends from one of my early 20s who had like huge success really early, like Broadway or something like I'm not at all a musical theater person, but like I have just through different channels, like know a couple people and like. I remember some of them getting really successful really young and kind of saying like, oh, I'm realizing, you know, when you put, I think there was a gift in seeing that as an outsider because we put these like goals as like that thing's going to make me happy. That thing's going to make, I will be satisfied and okay when I get there. But like that goalpost always is moving. Like when you're getting closer to it, it's staying the same exact distance away. And so that can't be the thing that's going to make you happy. Like I know someone who was like, Oh, I thought getting on Broadway was going to make me happy. And then I got on Broadway and then it was like, uh, oh, I guess it's because I'm in the ensemble. It's not doing it. I need to get a leading role. Then I got a leading role. And you just like hearing the story of how they realize like, oh, it's just never going to happen this way. Like I have to rework it. And so I think it's important. Yeah. Like, like you said, to be plugged into what is happening now and just like live. Also, it's, I think we're all kind of unplugging from, like our careers aren't that important. We have a life outside. You know what I mean? Like we have. Right. I think there's like, that's the thing is we place too much importance and value on already. Like, like I, and that's at the beginning of the pandemic was so hard for me is because they had certain things that were exciting and going on and then that completely stopped. And I was like, Oh, so now I have no value as a human being on this planet. <laughs> it was yeah. like, so I had to like relearn over the past year of like, Oh, wait a minute. I literally had a therapist say to me like, but see, Eric, you maybe don't have a job right now, but you did the dishes. You did this for your husband. You, I was like, you're right. I, I did clean a plate. And it's like it, it like, <laughs> I'm not a complete, it's like I had to relearn. Like, oh, wait, I am contributing to the world in some way. And I think everything you said really, I, I say this to a lot of guests, but I really feel like every, the universe sent you to me today because you need to hear it. I need to hear just like, like feeding yourself in ways, drinking your water, and then not forcing the creativity and, and, and letting, and letting the digested work naturally. And like, I think that I sometimes get in my own head of like, I haven't done I, the constant narrative. You haven't done enough. You haven't done enough. You haven't done enough. And hundred percent. I think like we, it's, that's not, that's not the key to a happy life. No, it's truly not. It's truly not. I think I also, I've always been someone who's so bad at homework. I'm so bad. Like I hate, I hate homework and I hate that feeling of having homework. Mm. So I think it was just, I was pretty prone to like shirking that and being like, you just gotta live. We're all, we are all just living until we get to go to the next restaurant. Like the reason until to live is to go to Until we can go to the next restaurant. Oh my God. I fantasize. restaurant to restaurant to, for me. Really restaurant to restaurant. <laughs> I like, I literally was talking to Matt the other day. I was like, cause we have been pretty, um, maybe partially to my neurotic Judaism, maybe just because of the way both of us are in terms of uh-huh. uh, being rule followers. But like we, with COVID stuff, we've done, takeout and a lot of picking up and but we have not eaten inside a physical space yet okay and i am gonna be hit my two weeks on thursday Matt said his two weeks and i've officially been like you know what matt i think it's like enough is enough and we're we're fantasizing about the next restaurant and i think i think the first one we're gonna go to to celebrate is going to be um our favorite Chinatown restaurant, Joe's Shanghai. I think that's oh, what we might okay. go to. That's really exciting. So, I mean, the soup dumplings we've been fantasizing about. Um, we it, we used to be like a special thing we would do fairly often, and it's Ugh. just you know, and I don't know. Soup why. dumplings is also perfect because that's a that's a textbook does not travel well food. Like you can't <laughs> do that delivery. Like that's such a you gotta eat it there food. You gotta eat it there food. It's really important. Do you want to know something? Is I. Yes. <laughs> 
I had, one of the first times I went to Joe Shanghai, it's like, it, it, for anyone who hasn't been, it's like family style or it's like you sit at communal tables and there's, you'll sit with strangers, but the food is so incredible. And it's just such an iconic experience because you, a friend took me and she wanted to treat me for helping out with something. And she ordered so much food and it was such, a, so, so amazing. And, um, once we got like dish after dish after dish, I was like drowning in the gorgeous food. And then at the end she was like, wow, this is, um, a little more expensive than I thought it would be. And then she was like, do you mind splitting with me? And I remember thinking to myself, like the gift had already been given to me because the food was so fucking good. Sure. And, but it, that place isn't that expensive, is it? Like, it's not that much, but she, she, this person like really ordered, ordered. Okay. Well, you can do that at a place if the men if everything is just slightly under ten dollars in my brain, it's free. Like if something's eight dollars at a restaurant, it's free. And then you order fifteen of those and you're you're at a hundred whatever dollars. Well, and it's a lot like, of okay. free shit adds up. It's actually really cursed. When uh, free stuff adds up and then it costs money, I hate that. Oh, oh my god. I mean me with money. I hate that. It's just I, you know, I, I'm so bad with money, it's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> I, are you offended if I say that that like I feel like that's a good I feel like I can see that as a part of your personality no I think it tracks I think I I mean I think most I'm a, I feel in general I'm probably a pretty transparent person I think most assumptions about me are probably correct Ooh, Which I, I don't want to say that but <laughs> that I just feel like I opened myself up to a lot there but uh, I think no I if I present as someone who's bad with money I think that is correct I'm working on it but I mean honestly yeah. I and I don't mean I don't think you're like atrociously bad with money I feel like you're in a beautiful way you're like oh if I want to buy something I'm gonna buy something I just didn't, I, yeah, I think it's just that I didn't really grow up with money and I, so like, I didn't learn the value of it because my mom, I think like we didn't have a lot of money, but my mom was like, I will not, we went through some really rough times when I was a kid, I think in terms of like all that. And I think my mom was, her approach was, I am not going to like withhold my kids from a certain experience because I don't have the money for it. And my mom did not value money that much. She valued like being like you know, not, we weren't spoiled. It's not like we were like going to Disney world every year or anything like that. But like, um, I was not raised to be frugal and she was like, spend the $5 on like, go see the movie, go do the thing with your friends. Like, I want you to have these experiences. Like, even though I don't really think the money was there at times. Um, sorry, I guess I've like never talked about this. So I'm having an art, a hard time articulating it, but like, yeah, I just didn't, um, maybe to a detriment at times, like there are more important things than money, like everything. And so I was like, money's stupid. I hate it. It It's dumb. It's just numbers. So I would just spend it to do other things, you know, like, you know, I, I very much, I think that like that MasterCard thing of being like, well, I have $15 and I don't, and I have to pay rent in two weeks, but the price, the, the value of going out to drinks with a friend, that's priceless. So I'm going to like, <laughs> just, and so I think I'm I just mean, bad totally. at budgeting. It's that, but that, I, I think it's so interesting. Like, how we are raised really informs how we view money. And and like I, something happened in my youth where my personal world, a budget to me is the scariest thing in the world. Like, like writing down and budgeting and planning out things. I'm like, I it's, it's scary to me. I just want to take it like a a day at a time. Whereas my three brothers are the most like, forward thinking in terms of like where their money goes and like investing and fun. And I'm like, I did not get that at all. And my mentality around money is deeply fear-based. I'm like, I'm just going to try because it's funny. Cause I am the, in some ways the opposite of you. And like, I am frugal to the point of, because of the fear, I'm like, if I spend an extra dollar on this avocado or on this, you know, then it's like, then wh- what if that means? And I can't, um, you know, have a child. It's like, wait a minute. Like, oh, I think there's, sure. a few, there's a few steps between the guac and yeah, the child. Yeah, it sounds like you and I are very much opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and it's, that. which is like, I think, obviously, the balance is the way, is the, is the way to live. Because, like, I don't want to miss out on life experiences from not getting the extra guacamole. No, you got to um, get the guac. You got to get the guac. But, like, yeah. I very much identify with just, like, money being something that is not worth putting an anxiety around it and dealing with it in the future. You just want to like think about it in the moment and try to and pretend it's not really real. Yeah. And I think also it's like, I've always been, I've been a bartender since I was 18. I've always worked in restaurants. So I've never had like the, your paycheck is this every week. You know what I mean? I've never had, so I've never really been able to budget in that way because I've never had 
predictable income. I've never known what next week's paycheck is going to look like, you know, and like my life is pretty, I'm, I've figured it out now. I'm a little bit older, but like when I was younger, there were places where it was like, if it rains, you don't make money that day. So like, you know, I had, you know, shit like that happened before. And like, so it was hard. I was like, I'm not going to budget because the world is going to fuck me over. You know what I mean? I think I I was like, I'm just going to live for tomorrow, you know? Totally. Yeah. So speaking of attitudes growing up childhood, let's ask the Uh podcast question. Whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame? I think I blame two people and their names are Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair. Oh, wow. Let's dive in. I have like a deeply formative memory, just like a split, like, so that we moved a handful of times when I was a kid, but one of the main houses that like I consider myself to the one of the houses I think of when I say like the house I grew up in was kind of like this weird layout where the second floor was like only a half floor. It didn't go all the way across the house and it had this like half wall that looked down into the living room. Mm. So the living room had like a really high ceiling with sort of like a balcony almost, Mm -hmm. but it was just like the hallway of the second floor of the house. And it wasn't like a big house. It was just like, you had this big living room and then the bedrooms were upstairs, me and my sister's bedroom. And I was a really, really bad sleeper for a period of time. Like I went through this phase where I like didn't sleep or had a really hard time falling asleep, I should say, um, when I was like, like 10, 11 ish, 12 ish. And I used to, I figured out that if I, if I kind of like quietly slipped out of my room and like slid out my door and just stood flat against the wall, I could like uh, opposite the side of the balcony edge. I could look down and see the TV that my mom was watching in the living room and I could watch what she was watching. So I would sneak out of bed a lot and like stand flat against this wall in this hallway and like stare down and watch like the late night TV my mom was watching. So I would watch her watch like SNL or Fallon or like whatever it was. I feel like right now I'm watching I'm watching a flashback of your childhood because it's such a vivid. I'm seeing like it's darkness. I'm seeing the reflection of like the faint TV on your face as your back against the wall. You're staring at things that are probably like a little inappropriate for a child and yet taking it all in every ounce. Yeah. And like I was, I lived for it. And like I remember one time my mom was watching the MTV movie awards mm. and Sarah Michelle Geller and Selma Blair won Best Kiss for Cruel Intentions. And they played the kiss. And I saw the kiss. And it was like the first time I'd ever seen like a same sex interaction. It was the first time I had seen like graphic sexual kissing. Like mm-hmm. that scene is insane. It's like so hot, it's almost gross, but it's still hot. Like <laughs> it's really intense. And like I can't like. I don't know what your media consumption background is, but like if you've ever watched like Buffy or X-Men or anything like that, like the moment when like they get their powers and like their entire physical being and life changes, Mm -hmm. like literally happened to me in that moment. Like I felt, I feel like my, I feel like puberty just started. Like (laughs) I was like, what is happening? And I think I definitely made a sound because my mom like looked up and caught me. She was like, Jake. And I like ran in my room. Like, and that was the moment. And I think from, the, I think that started whatever turned me gay. I think it, it happened then and there. Okay. Uh, this is so good, Jake. I need you. I need you. Can you try to, can you try to recreate to me the sound you think you made when you saw them making out? I honestly, I think it might've just been like, <sighs> I think it was just like a hard breath. I, I just remember like the tr- most intense sense of like overwhelm and like physical sensations that had never happened before. I mean, it's so, it was so intense, so intense, so relatable. Cause I, I remember at first you don't know why you're so interested in the two women kissing or why you're so interested in the drag queen or why. Well, also I think it was like, a really weird thing to experience as your first gay. Like, I don't think I knew gay people existed before then. Mm. And where geographically was this? Where were you in the Vermont? World? Okay. Vermont. So I, I didn't know gay people existed and I knew you were supposed to be straight. Right. So like in my mind, I, when I saw it, I was like, are they going to get in trouble? But they are winning the best kiss award at MTV movie awards. So there's like an audience of thousands of people like screaming and cheering. And then like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair stand up and they're wearing like the most 
2000s outfits. I think they're both in tube tops and like low rise pants and they go up and I think they kissed again on stage when they won. And I was watching like, it was like, I was like, wait, so if you're gay, do people fucking love this? <laughs> yeah, I was so confused. It was so confusing because then like, I was like, oh, maybe if it's because they're girls. Like I remember laying in bed after and being like, I don't understand what I just saw. It's the meme of the woman doing the math. Just like, what is like literally like, yeah, I just could not understand what was happening. But I think that's, I kind of love that for you that one of your first same sex experiences was watching a crowd of adoring fans scream about two hot women kissing. Like there are worst first moments we could have had. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure society was pretty quick to tell you that. No, you're bad. Um, But at least in those first moments of like, you know what? Wait a minute. They, they're doing, they're recreating, this kiss that I already thought was going to be against the rules and people are screaming and cheering. Maybe I get to do that one day. Yes, very much. I think it was a good, I'm not mad at it. I think it was a good way to be turned. So then, well, I think that's, I mean, I, I think there's so many things like that. Probably when I was growing up, I don't even remember. Like for, I actually tweeted about this recently that I, when I came out, my family was in some ways surprised, which is a big question mark, but I'm like, how could you be surprised when I rented the movie camp? Over and over and oh my over. God. Like this, the, I remember watching it and it's. How kind of, old were you when you came out? Uh, well, I came out when I was senior year of high school, but it was, I mean, definitely a long time coming for me. I just like, I was so kind of in ways confident about my passions and loves and yet didn't put the math together that everything was deeply homosexual. Like I sure. loved musical theater. I, I watched, Where are you from? St. Louis, Missouri. So okay, okay. So that and that might have had part to do with it, where I barely knew any just gay people. Just a little bit, just <laughs> a little. Just like, wait a minute, everyone here is wearing khaki shorts and gay bashing. I guess maybe so that means I'm not gay. Oh, so God, then, like, oh my! I just like I truly think that. The, what you said is so true about like you've you've learned two things that it's against like it's against the rules and what did you say that was like basically that you you were told from the beginning of time that like you're supposed to be straight and yeah well like I just was but it was yeah it wasn't presented as an option it was just like and then the boys kiss the girls and then exactly. babies happen like that was just what I knew right and I so didn't know I, being gay was an option it's and that's the thing is like when I so I would be gravitated so strongly towards all of these queer things and not really doing the math in my mind. I'd be totally. watching this in, in camp. Robin de Jesus gets gay bash where he, while he's wearing drag. And I'm like, well, I, I feel like so sad for this person. I feel like I've been bullied and I, but I, I'm not like, I never want to dress in drag, but like, I still feel so connected. But why do I feel connected to this purse? It's like, it's, it's so obvious now that I was just so clearly gay and just like, screaming to come out but wouldn't do it for for some years and i actually have you seen the movie camp no it's okay it's okay it's it's like very it's a very specific specific thing that like very much musical theater based but they filmed this movie camp which is about sure. you know, theater camp where people have to audition and uh-huh. Anna, Anna Kendrick's in it and she's a raging bitch in the movie and apparently in real life but this um, in the the movie was filmed at an actual summer camp that is like a famous musical theater summer camp called Stage Door Manor Door Manor? Yes Oh my god I, Stage I, like, Door Manor I was on a I was on a UCB team with someone who did Stage Door Manor, and then like he would I would said like every once in a while like it would be revealed like the whisper network of like former Stage Door Manor people in New York City, and I was like, this was a camp for children, like what? <laughs> Literally, I and I say this, I feel like it's the NYU Tish of camps, and that's coming from someone oh who God. went to NYU Tish, and I do it gets a lot of shit, and I agree with the shit it gets, um, but it really feels like like I'm sure if people who went to Stage Door, there is a certain faction who feels that they are better than because they went to this summer camp as 12 year olds this being said all i wanted to do was go to this camp and i know that a part of it was because of the theater because of the movie camp but also i knew deep down there would have been a whole bunch of little gay boys that would have been so i ended up order i like sending an application to get more information about stage door manor they sent a vhs tape i watched the tape i showed it to my parents like please can i go to stage door manor and they said it was too expensive and I couldn't go. So well, I'm sure it was like ten grand. I'm sure I'm something absolutely sure ridiculous. was so crazy. And so I, I didn't go. But I literally said to Matt days ago. I don't know why it came up, but I was like, I wonder 
if I had gone to Stage Door Manor, if I would have come out earlier, and if I would have like hooked up with a boy there, like I'm sure. Oh, in addition sure. to it being a musical theater, you know, training ground, it was also just like a full on gay university for teenage boys to like really quote unquote safely experiment with each other without being in school. Do you think it was a gay teenage orgy? I feel like my my knee-jerk response is going to make people mad at me, but in my mind, it's a lot of, like, sexless, elitist, like, <laughs> like in te- incredibly, like, mathematically focused musical theater gays. Um, oh, I could see that. Who were like, I can't suck your dick. I need to hit the high note tomorrow or whatever. I don't that'll, know. Like, it'll hurt my voice box. I have to hit a D. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, you're probably right, but that's like where my, my fantasy would lie. And of course, I'm sure it's probably some ways a miserable place. And yet probably, who knows, Jake? I think I just need to um, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're if you're humming and hawing about the fact that you didn't go to this camp, I, you do need to release that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, that needs to go because it's yeah. <laughs> Look, I know you're right. It's next on the docket for this week's therapy. Um, I do think I have mostly released. I just I sometimes I think like reminiscing about childhood. You sometimes wonder like you know because I hear what how old were you when you came out after so you, you see this amazing 16. kiss? How many years? Sixteen. Sixteen. Which I find is like kind of incredibly cool and young. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for like our age, it's young. Now I feel like it's like, okay, grandma, come out. Yeah, like, yeah, I, guess, yeah, yeah. I feel like kids are coming out when they're like 10 now. But um, yeah, I was 16. And I'm thinking, like, it was, uh, I came out my junior year of high school. So like half of high school and like all of college. Um, and I think I'm I'm thankful for it because I'd be a much happier, much nicer person once I came out. I was kind of a, a piece of shit before I came out, I think. And like, um, I think it was good. And I'm glad I did it when I was young and kind of got it out of the way. Did you? But I also was someone who like no one was surprised when I came out. I was very effeminate. And like, I mean, especially in like Vermont, where it was like half my school was like riding tractors to school. It was like I kind of stuck out like a rainbow thumb. Mm. And so it felt more like. Like coming out wasn't like, guys, I'm gay. It was more like, all right, fine. Yeah, you're right. I'm gay. You know, like that's kind of how it felt. So yeah, it was kind of nice to just like get it out of the way, honestly. Oh yeah. I remember checking it off the list of things to do and just be like, thank that one's been, I've been procrastinating that one for years, but yeah, I think one of, one of your videos I love so much is it's a recent one where you are the coming out doula and you're like, oh, telling, you. you're telling people what things to do when someone comes down. You're like, first tell them you've already known for years. You've told all their closest friends and family. They, they've already known. And I think that really was that my least favorite response to get when you would come out was just like, well, duh. It's like, well, I'm so glad that you knew this for the past <sighs> decade when I did it. And so like, why don't you keep that to yourself, babe? It's such a hard thing to explain to someone who's never had to come out about anything, like the experience, like the degradation of it and how it's so shitty that it has to be a thing in the first place. And like, and I can tell that it's something that really you can only stand understand if you go through it because whenever I try to make comedy about it, it's like gay queer people find it funny and straight people like just don't get it. Like they don't understand it. And it's like, even when that, the bachelor guy came out like everyone. And I think, I guess I don't, I haven't watched the bachelor in a very long time, but I think there were like a lot of rumors about him or whatever beforehand. And just, but like everyone who had that response of like, I knew, I knew beforehand I was aware beforehand. It's like, okay, congrats. He clearly was struggling. I understand that that man is like a bad person who low jacked his ex-girlfriend or whatever. And I don't like him, but like, I just think that's such a shitty response always to anyone. It's like, I knew, I guess beforehand I was thinking about you beforehand. And I guessed it's like, okay, Chill out. Chill out. That also that whole situation with the with the bastard got grosser and grosser. I feel it was like it was like yeah. okay, people knew that he was coming out, and then also he's really problematic, and then he got the show, and then the Gus Kenworthy thing, and like everyone. Oh was my just god, like, that was like the most insane thing. But the coming out thing is, it's like I just think it'd be like imagine if like I went to someone's wedding and I was like, you were someone I always knew was going to get married young. You feel like someone who needed a husband when you were young, so I thought <laughs> you were going to do this. Like, are you fucking kidding? Like that's so rude. But <laughs> you're right. But because it's like a gay thing it's okay to yeah, say yeah. i already knew this deeply traumatic thing that society told you you weren't allowed to be was true it's like yeah that's a very good point of like it's the same thing as like anything being like 
you know what? I knew you were going to give up on acting after two years and go into your dad's business. I really knew that about you. It's like, fuck off. You know, like, it's like, we all have make predictions. Keep them to your fucking selves. Keep them to yourself. I mean, can you imagine if we live in a world where that is what people felt okay saying? And that's the thing is people pick and choose what it's okay to like. And luckily in some ways things are changing. Like I find like I'm at a point right now where so many people around me are, are pregnant or having babies. And I feel like our parents generation versus our there's so many differences about like what you sh- can say to someone versus not and like my uh, not to put him on blast my dad who is an incredibly amazing person but he told me that he like did pulled accidentally pulled one of those oh how far along are you to a woman who was completely not pregnant and that's i just tough. and that is like ooh, that's really tough i i think mo- like 99 percent of the population has learned no matter what you don't assume a person's status of pregnancy when i was a little kid so one of my like one of my earliest memories ever is my is i think it's probably is my earliest memory honestly is my grandmother taking me to the hospital when my mom had my sister like gave birth to my sister and my sister's two and a half years younger than me so i was two and a half when i we did this but i just like remember being in the hospital and like seeing my mom in the hospital bed like with the baby and all that and it was the nineties and like those, there was those dresses that were popular for women in the nineties that were kind of like very straight line cut, like ankle length hem with like a really fine print on it. Mm-hmm. That was like a very, I can't, I'm, I think, do you know what I'm talking about? Like that 100%. kind of style of dress. So in my mind, my little three-year-old mind, those were all hospital gowns. Like they all looked like what my mom wore in the hospital when she had my sister. So anytime I saw someone wearing one, they'd be like, when are you having a baby? And my mom would be like, shut the fuck up. But like, I, she thought I was like calling these women, you know what I mean? Like the whatever. But I truly was just like, no, that's the dress you wear when you're about to pop a baby. Like I truly, I did not know about like your stomach getting bigger. I didn't understand any of that. I just was like, no, you put that dress on when you're going to have a baby. Right. And I did it to so many. I was going to say, since that fashion was in so much, I'm sure you were just constantly just like, when's your baby do? When's your baby do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And these poor women were like, fuck, 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 fuck. This three-year-old yeah. thinks I'm a whale. <laughs> <laughs> you were just reading women for filth as a three-year-old. Problematic white show, gay. If, you ever, if you're ever insulted by a small child, just you have no idea what they're actually thinking. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. And the <laughs> thing is also like small children and teenagers are the scariest people, the meanest people on the planet, partly because they don't know they're being mean, partly just because like they are. I so rude. I, yeah, like I, if I ever have to be in front of any group of teenagers and like, like for before the pandemic, I was, I would give walking tours as a tour guide. And sometimes they'd be like, okay, this group from Indiana is from Mark Twain high school. That's a group of 35 sophomores. I'd be like, fuck, like, and I would be like, so scared of how mean they were going to be to me. And usually they were quite nice. And I would like play a caricature of a gay person and and get by. But like, I, it really, I don't know why it's so nerve wracking for me. I know it's intense as someone who uses TikTok and (gasps) has to look at the comments on TikTok. Like I, like the Gen Z, they can cut you down in a way that is like, so brutal have you so now like now that you like have this giant audience on tiktok like is it like do do those comments get to you are you pretty are you pretty good with moving past them i will say like tiktok does not do a great job of like you don't see every comment like i would have to like open the video and like scroll through to Mm -hmm. like read every comment when you get all those notifications it's not like the comments don't show up and if your video goes viral on tiktok it happens usually so fast and so like explosively Mm. that like, unless you don't have anything else to do that day, you're not going to see most of the comments. Like, and I do, I look at the comments, especially when like it first gets posted and then maybe like a little bit later, I'll see like what comments are at the top because like you can like the comments Mm -hmm. and that, um, moves them like higher up in the, the chain or whatever. But I'm not like, I'm not like scrolling down to see like the lower comments that are probably like deeply cruel and hurtful. I don't know. Like a lot of them are very nice. Most of the comments I get are like very nice. I'm knock on literally all the wood right now, but like, um, I haven't been abused too badly to be honest, but also I don't, I don't, I read some comments, but I by no means like am scrolling through every comment and reading it because you can't. Yeah. It's so, that's what I found actually with TikTok is I, you know, in the few videos I've had that I've, that I've gotten a lot of views, I I was naive to think of what sort of videos would 
people would respond to. And I was like, oh, here's a funny Trump joke. And I, and I talked to it with Catherine <sighs> Cohen, just like I got obliterated by Trump TikTok. And like it, it was so unexpected. And I, I think I've now been hot and cold with TikTok and videos in general, because I, I am at times will feel pressure if I've had a few videos do well of like, you know, how I, I try to force myself to make them. And like you're saying, that's not, doesn't create good content. No. And so, um, yeah. Also, it's just, there's nothing like when you have something go viral on the internet, like a video you've made, obviously it feels good to have like made something that you are proud of that is like being well received and being well viewed, I guess like that feels good, but like eventually you're going to post something. The next like few things are not going to be as good and you're going to feel like like, that up and down is so bad that you need to just release it and be like, some videos are going to do well. Some videos are not. And that's okay, you know. Definitely, because- definitely. I I had to force myself to learn that, especially like a year ago. I was making a lot of videos that um, I was very proud of, and I started to obsess over the views on them. And then Matt was like, "You yeah. need to stop thinking about it, looking about, looking at it, and caring about it." And I was, I've been pretty good about releasing that, but yeah, it is inevitable that you're going to have these these peaks and valleys and. Um, but speaking about one, one of the video themes that you do that I so love is the gay Brooklyn husband that is just yeah. dealing with these really pretentious people. Um, I, if, if, for people who are listening to that, haven't seen it, it's basically just like the stakes could not be higher when talking about either the natural wine that, uh, was brought to a party or the sweater that was given and the brand of the sweater is so important. I would need to know, Jake, what, how do you know about all this stuff? That's like so so it's so like beautifully park slope and heady and i need to know how you know this well i work in wine that's like my job i work in natural wine i work at a natural wine bar Mm. and restaurant and i have for a few years and i've worked i've worked with wine at different restaurants and bars since i moved to new york pretty much so like that the wine stuff comes from that world Mm -hmm. you know like i've and i think that just like lends itself to because also like i think it started it, it started exclusively about natural wine and like kind of the cult of, around natural wine that has been like blowing up that i think is very funny because like i mean i drink i drink it too i like it but it's like it's you know it's that it's that branding thing of like once like a certain echelon of people a certain cohort of people that live in like park slope cobble hill carol gardens like find out about this thing it's like 19 stores open up selling it. Everyone's obsessed. Did you know what I mean? Like, it's just funny to watch like kind of the culture on those things. And it becomes less about the actual like reason they're good. And just about making sure that it has like that title or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's funny. And like, I think it's just, I've been working in fancy restaurants in New York for in different, in different ways for years and years. And it's like the people I've seen, it just are so ridiculous and so funny. Yes. Um, I just, it's, it's such a skill to be able to like, clearly I can tell that you're like good at your job and like you have so much knowledge about it and you're able to like coexist in a world where there's a lot of crazy people. Cause I, it like, I, first of all, I'm just not good. <laughs> When it comes to like, <laughs> when it comes to being in that world, I just like, sure. I worked at River Cafe in Brooklyn. That's like very, classic. very classic, very expensive. And I just like, not only was not a great server or bartender, but like the management was, was so mean and bullying. And I had such a weak constitution. I would just like, I would just, I, I suffered and was so bad. And then hurricane Sandy closed down the restaurant for like two years. And then I didn't have to work there anymore. And I did not wish ill will towards anyone. That was a very tough hurricane, but I was very happy that restaurant closed. I mean, it sounds like they maybe had it coming (laughs) if they were that abusive to their staff. It was, I mean, like I was so made fun of and like, very different type of conversation that was happening. A lot of the servers had preconceived notions about Jewish people. They just like thought that all, oh like all Jews are all the only Jewish people that exist are the ones that wear hats and have pay us. And I was like, you're thinking of Orthodox Hasidic Jews. Um, and they're like, you're not, I don't believe you're Jewish. I was like, I don't know how to prove to you that I am, but I'm not going to try to. It was like, there was always landmines like Who that. Who they think lives in New York City? It what? was I'm, so that's weird. That's so crazy. It was, I was like, am I taking crazy pills? I'm convincing you that I'm Jew. It was like, girl, I truly, 
God. And then, and yeah, like I, I talked about this with Jay Cohen actually, just like always being forced to shave every other hour. Like I don't, I worked at one place that made me shave. I worked at one place that made me shave and I like, I showed up the next day and I had stubble and they were like, so the guy, they were, they were like, you didn't shave. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Also, the way I got good at wet shaving in a public bathroom, like, <laughs> unreal. I was like, I can do this in two seconds. I'm fucking over it. Yeah, I just don't know what the outcry is over facial hair or, like, like I don't, like, does it look that unprofessional to have, like, a gorgeous double? I don't think so. No, I mean, it's that it's that old school, like, finance guy, like, rich, white shoe law firm bullshit. I worked at a, my first two jobs in New York were for places like that, and it was the most depressed and miserable and horrible I've ever I've ever been. Maybe I was just working at the wrong places. It sounds like you really were. I mean, and I was too for years. It took me a long time to find a place that like the place I work now is great. I don't want to like, I'm an actor and stuff and like, I don't, but I enjoy the place I work now. I really love the people. I love, it's fun to work there. They take care of us. We, we all do a great job. It's like a really fun place. Um, but it took me a long time to find that because so much, I mean, the New York restaurant system is so abusive and it's been so crazy to be making like some of my videos are like kind of circulate around the restaurant Mm -hmm. world, I think a little bit and to have like bosses who were abusive to me, DM me and be like, Oh my God, love this video. That's so me. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. It is you. And that's not a good thing. Like, are you kidding? Like, it's so crazy. <laughs> I wonder what's going through there. Maybe them DMing you is is trying to get some sort of like, please tell me you like me. And you're like, I can't. I don't think I can do that for you, babe. No. And one day I'll probably name you publicly. <laughs> <laughs> if they're lucky. Um, I mean, look, all press is good press. Yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, there's just so much, I think pretension and like and that's here's the thing about it is that i find like restaurants and dining out is such an incredible part of life like we were saying yes 100 percent. but i do see that there's like this tough like especially people who have never worked in a restaurant of how they treat people that work in restaurants is so abysmal but also the like (laughs) level of management and some types of places that are somewhat abusive it's like Hurt people hurt people, and there's a lot of hurt yes. on both sides, I think. Yeah, I think the entire industry it needs to be like revolutionized in terms of how it treats its employees, how it compensates their, its employees, how like the public view of like what being a restaurant worker is. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if this year didn't prove anything to you, it's like, what was the thing you were like on your knees dying to do? It was to go to a fucking restaurant. Yes. You know what I mean? For a lot of us. And it's like, then that's... It's, I mean, I I was considered an essential worker. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so we need to value them in that way, I think. I 100% agree. It's, it's ridiculous. It really is. And I just, I just, all this to say, I can't wait to eat in many restaurants. I know. But I think that's why it's so easy. Like... I think, yeah, I, to bring it back to what you were asking about in terms of like how I know all that stuff, it's like, I think I just pivoted where I was like, oh, these people that I've been like infuriated by for my entire career, I can now just like make fun of. And that kind of made, it was a very healthy experience for me, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, hello. It's like, put your heart into art. And when your heart has a lot of (laughs) trauma from working in a restaurant, why not pull from that? (laughs) It's so good. Well, I want to ask like, what are are your current, what are your current obsessions now? Like, are you, what, when you come home, let's see, you need to put your feet up. Is it, what are you doing? What are you watching? How are you taking care of yourself? I mean, I was watching drag race was loving drag race. Um, I definitely watch a lot of TikTok. I don't, now that I am like an active TikTok maker and like it's become this thing I like do, I think it feels a little bit less of an escape, Mm. like watching it, but I still really do enjoy watching TikToks and I watch a lot of them. And then I'm really into this new show on HBO called The Nevers. Have you seen this? No, pitch it to me. Okay. So it's, it was created by Joss Whedon, but then he like left slash was kicked off. Thank God. And it's like, but it's a lot of old Buffy writers and it's like, it feels like a blend of Buffy, Torchwood, Doctor Who, and like Penny Dreadful Mm. kind of all blended together. And it's just like, it's very like visually beautiful, but also like nerdy and sci-fi and queer. I'm very into it. Okay. I love, see, you said that's on HBO, right? 
It's on HBO Max. I think yeah. HBO it's Max so is like proving to be that girl. The one. Oh my. She's the one. HBO Max is the one. She is delivering. She is here for us. And if all else fails, you go to HBO Max. If we can depend upon her. I mean, there are not only is it like like new shows are coming out, but the fact they put the other two on there. I, I went back to, to that and had a little comfort journey down that first season. They put Search Party on there. The fact yeah. like it's just the nanny there's someone i mean it's like there i mean there are gay people there doing good work it's like it's very clear like it's very clear <laughs> it's very clear that we have an advocate in the hbo max system absolutely and for that i'm thankful i think this is Same. if anyone here is listening from hbo max we want to thank you and you are i hope you get your own pride float i really do Oh my god, the HBO Max Pride float. I would kill to be on the HBO Max Pride float. Imagine? I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh I love that. I wonder like who's the HBO Max Andy Cohen. Like they need they need a front man. I will do it. HBO Max call me. <laughs> You'll do reunions, but but it's just with the the cast people acting in character from the TV shows on HBO Max. Uh I I I'm not opposed. It's actually not a bad that, idea. It's actually not the worst idea I've ever heard. It's not the best. It's not the worst. <laughs> um, well, listen, Jake, I want to... Oh, the last thing, I, I made notes of a couple of my favorite things that you do, and I need to just reference this because it really is so good. You do. You had a... I, I want to know behind the behind the scenes, behind the music, um, VH1, I want to know your video about Justin Timberlake mirrors when you know that it's just like an acapella song. Was this a, like, something that... Oh, and let, let me explain. It's the video. It's this video where he is basically going off about how much he hates the song "Mirrors" by Justin Timberlake and how you can just it. picture the acapella men's group singing it. And it's like, of course, that's not the one guy that's just going, "Oh." Um, so, was this something that you had been like, like thinking about for years? Absolutely. Sure, 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 yes, sure. it's been on my soul for years, and I just needed to get it out. So, like, what, what, what was every the time day I hear that song? I'm like, shut the fuck so up. So, the, when you before you made that video, were you just like, what told you that today was the day? <laughs> I think it was just like, I heard it and I was like, I, I need to just get this off my chest. I think I heard it. And like, I think I literally went to the Walgreens around the corner from me and bought something and it was playing. And I was, cause it's like <laughs> mirrors is now like peak Dwayne Reed music. Like <laughs> it is so Dwayne Reed music. And I was like, fuck this song. And I pictured the goddamn acapella group. And I was like, it's like, I need to release this and put this out in the world. So I'm not the only one that is like blighted by it. And people really responded. I mean, it, people did. Yes. Because it's true. It's because I'm right. You that are is what that song is. But can I tell you something? You were in an all male. Not all male, Jake, not all male, oh, <laughs> but it was no. Jewish. Does that help at all? It was a Jewish acapella group. What was it called? What was oh, it called? Oh, bad name, bad name. It, there no, there's no good names. What was it called? But it was even worse because it wasn't even something that anyone could understand, even like most Jewish people. It was Aniviata, which means me and you in Hebrew. Okay. You have some notes. Sure. Um, listen, it was, but here's the, here's the funny thing that like really was the journey is as a freshman in college. Maybe you should have gone to stage door manor. <laughs> um, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> It would have changed my entire trajectory. I mean, I just like, it was freshman year of college. There were these like, it was like, I, I don't know if I had gone to like a, like a Jewish thing to be like, maybe I'll meet probably because my parents were like, you need to meet Jews. And so I probably heard about this acapella group. And sure. then what ended up happening was a very, I'm realizing in this moment, it was a very sister act two moment where I felt like my friend and I who had auditioned together we were both like actor acting majors and most of the group was not, they were just uh -huh. like, you know, major. Were you musical theater? No, theater I was, person? I okay. was uh, not musical theater, which hopefully helps my case a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And so none of these people in this group were theater people. And so we came in and it felt like we were Dolores Van Cartier. Yeah. Like, you know what? We're going to whip this group into shape. And like, we just like brought like a f fun, <laughs> almost, I mean, my friend Daniel is straight, but we f brought a very gay energy and like, let's liven this up a bit. La 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 la. <laughs> like it was already a cute montage. Q were like changing our robes. Q, like it felt very that. And that's why. <laughs> and like, we had a couple and then all of a sudden, of course you were like the Anna Kendricks of this, like pitch perfect. I think we were the Anna nightmare. Kendricks of this Jewish pitch perfect nightmare. But the thing that is my only, like <laughs> my only pitch to you that makes it a little less worse is that it would have some pop songs. We did not sing mirrors, but we did have, um, some like Hebrew songs. that would like be like, 
mashed up into English pop songs and it felt a little multi I think I'm making it sound worse. I'm making it I'm losing, I'm losing. No, I would well, I would go see this, I think. I, I don't know. I, but, it was such a world, Jake, and I feel like you're and the thing is like your video about it really I don't disagree at all with, but I need I needed to come clean. I just the okay, I need to like the the acapella culture at my college was so comedic, like so comedic to me. And like, the thing is, this is, I cannot believe I'm going to state this publicly. I did audition for the acapella group, my freshman year of college. Thank you. Because, well, but it was just like, it was like, I didn't, I was like, how do I make friends? Mm -hmm. And I had done like, not acapella. I'd never done acapella before, but like I sang in high school as like an extracurricular and I auditioned, auditioned horribly because I'm truly not a good singer. And then was like, and then they were like, you didn't get it. And I was like, of course I did not. And then it was like, I like moved on with my life. <laughs> um, and then like I did my sophomore year and not at my college. I did the entire year abroad. So then I came back junior year and like, I feel like some people I knew had become like very involved in that world at that point. And I would end up like at parties at their house where it was like, oh, no. first off. Okay. So I went to UVM and the mascot is the catamount. Um, which is like a mountain lion. Um, and so all of everything on UVM campus is a cat pun. Like everything is a cat pun. Like your student ID is a cat car. Like everything, like everything's a cat pun, including the acapella groups. So the acapella, the co-ed acapella group was called Hit Paws, but like P-A-W-S. Sure. Um, the um, female, the all women's one was called the cat's meow. <laughs> and then... Um, the men's one was truly called the top cats. And, <laughs> um, I remember like being at a top cats party and it was like truly the hell of like all the girls there who were like into them. And like, unfortunately I do think like a couple boys who were there who were like into them. And then like, it'd be the kind of thing where like in the middle of a party, they would just like start singing. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I want to pull like are we pulling the fire alarm this is illegal i can't do this like it was just i knew i knew the story was gonna go there and yet it was like watching a slow motion car crash i'm i know there was harmony i know there were group sing-alongs and and it really it was probably only enjoyable for the eight people that were singing it's just i can't handle it it's like i don't know what that is like maybe i need to like interrogate like what is it that about that that like truly turns my stomach it's like you know when you're at the the birthday party and like someone harmonizes happy birthday (laughs) Okay, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's something, like, powerfully wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? I mean can you just not? Oh, no. Oh, no. It's like, and I can hear it the same way, like, the happy birthday. I'm like, stop, shut up. It's over. But there's nothing wrong with it. Like, why does it, why am I, like, viscerally angry about it? This is, I, it's something I need to interrogate about myself because I do think I'm maybe in the wrong. But, like, I, when someone does it, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, it makes sense. I mean, so- Jake, I have definitely harmonized happy birthday. I okay, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to attack you. But right listen, now. I think I'm. I understand. I think that there's layers here, and I, as someone who has done it, can. I, it's fully monstrous. But I think it's also because. Well, I do think to tie it into queerness, like to tie it into like the gay conversation, I do think that there is a proclivity among gay men sometimes because, especially gay men our age and older. We were constantly finding ways to prove ourselves to be like, it's okay I'm gay because I'm this, oh. right? It's okay that I'm gay because I'm a Tony winner or whatever the fuck it is. It's like we become obsessed with the minutia of like perfection and technical correctness. So these like, like the gays who are like, I, okay. I just, this episode is, it's so clear that I have such like deep judgment of like musical theater people and I really am anxious about it. Like I do think people are going to be mad at me, but it's like when like every once in a while I'll get a TikTok that's a gay guy being like breaking down every single alphabet's riffs or like whatever. And it's like the obsession with like the minutia of like how it all works, I think is like an attempt to like get to technical perfection which then can't be docked because even like if something is technically perfectly correct, like you can't be docked for being gay. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I do think that is at the core of a lot of it. I do think and I'm like, that. just be normal and suck a fucking dick. Don't sit, harmonize happy birthday, sing it the normal way and then go home and jump on a dick. I don't <laughs> listen, listen, you are speaking truth to power here, but I want to make one thing very clear. You are correct with the technical perfection of it all. I think also you're reacting because you're a bad singer. Yeah, no, it, I mean, if I was a good singer, it'd be a totally different story. And then you'd be the one singing it'd harmony to happy birthday. Oh, 
Absolutely. And it cuts you going, these are the best alphabets. I mean, I, I, but I think like the fact that you're, we're both being so transparent about this and like deep diving into the why of it all, I think is a really, is a really important thing that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people don't do. No, a lot of people don't do it. My, I thought I was like a decent singer because I did sing in high school and I think it was like my sister, someone videotaped me singing along to a song with headphones in. Like I had headphones in so I could hear the music and I was singing along. And you thought you were nailing heard, it. Like what? Oh, and then I heard it back and it was like, I was like, how is it also in a different language? Like, how is it so bad that it's not in English? Like, it was so, I just am not in the sun, burn it through my darkness. Nah. Like, I'm picturing you are singing Beyonce. I'm also not like a, I also think like <laughs> a thing that happens to me a lot is like, in life is like realizing something really obvious, like way too late. Like, did you like on like I talked about on uh, on Nathan Pearson's podcast? Like, I talked about how I found out that everything in the Bible is supposed to be real. I didn't know that until like way too late. Like, and another thing was like people would always be like, "Can you read music?" And I was like, "Yeah." Um, do you know that like I didn't understand that like they meant like when you look at the notes as they're happening, you know like what letter they correspond to? I was like. Absolutely not. I was like, no, I can see the words I and I know that like, the next note goes up. <laughs> like, I just, but, like, to be like, someone was like, okay, so it's a half step. And I was like, so I don't know what that means. Like, it's like, I tr- never once have I actually been able to read music, but I said I could read music for literal years, can- which, and not, did not think I was lying. Yeah, I can read music. Because I was like, yeah, I can read words. What are you talking about? I can literally like- see the black dot goes up and down. So I'm reading this music. I mean, listen, my dream is for us all to have that blind confidence. I truly, you know, right <laughs> or wrong. Um, and I, and I commend you for it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, listen, I, before we close this out, I didn't prepare you with this question, but I'm curious if you have anything off the top of your head. If, if the world was ending and you could save one character actress, do you know who you would save? Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. The world is ending and I can save one. Oh my God. I'm going to regret whoever I say. I feel like, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. And you can also give, if you're, if you're really trapped, you can give a few. I have to like, I feel like it's the obvious one, but like Karen Walker was huge for me. Like Karen Walker was just, I mean, that's the character, not the actress, but like Megan Mullally, like that was like, I like lived for Karen Walker. And I also think that like, that was an example of something that like, that was another example of something that was like very queer, but like celebrated and like, let we, I am not saying that Will and Grace is not problematic and perfect, but like at the time to see like my mom, like laughing her ass off at like Karen and Jack, like was good for me. I think to be like, Oh, this is like celebrated. Do you know what I mean? And like, I mean, there are still, there are still Karen Walker jokes that I can think about and like, laugh out loud at. oh i would go watch it um, right now i mean it's the karen and jack dynamic i mean in the, like when she was like pouring alcohol into halloween um jack-o'-lant uh you know the candy bags and just like and all of her quips and like the way that she like body shames grace i just think it's so i mean it's like so it's awful, so awful but, it's but so... the way it's written is so sharp and so funny but i also i think i also love like i didn't know this about myself until recently but i really love like characters that you that are bad people like and that you are laughing at because they are a bad person and you know what I mean like exploring that is so is so funny there was a (laughs) there was a Karen Rocker joke in the reboot I watched like the first like maybe five or six episodes of the reboot and there was a joke that Nate and I Nate's my partner watched I think we watched it like 10 times in a row and we were like tears streaming down her face and all it is is that she has to call in sick to grace like she has to call in sick to work and she picks up her phone and she goes she goes grace i can't come into work i sprained my ankle (laughs) when i tell you i watched that 19 times like tears streaming down my face but then also it's like i mean it's the obvious one the other one is like you know like valerie cherish obviously is like everything like Lisa Kudrow's Valerie is huge. Yes. I mean, um, look, I actually, no one has said Megan Mullally yet. And I think that it's a, that's crazy. And I, but I really, I think you've, you've done us a very big service here. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Megan is huge for me. I really do adore her. Oh, wow. Well, listen, Jake, I want to thank you for coming on. That's a gas podcast. It's just, this was so fun. Aaron. Such a gift. And I'm just thankful that I know you. I'm so thankful. I know you. And let's go to a restaurant when you're, when you're ready and comfortable. Sign me up. 
Uh, thanks so much for listening. I love Jake so much. He's really so hilarious and so real. Uh, make sure you follow him on Instagram and TikTok. Follow me at Eric Wills. And thanks again for listening to That's a Guest podcast. We will see you next week with another awesome guest. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.